Hello everyone, my name is Matt Phelan and welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. I am co-founder of the Happiness Index. We are an employee engagement and happiness platform that helps you understand how your employees are feeling. Um, I'm here with the amazing Kate. I'm so excited about the conversation we're about to have. Uh, Kate, is it's 6pm uh, where you are, Kate. Um, uh, please introduce yourself. Oh, thanks very much, Matt. Um, yes, the amazing Kate. I don't know if that um, <laughs> if that's a if that's a fair claim, but thank you very much. Kind introduction. Um, yeah, I live here in beautiful Bali, Indonesia. It's six pm, so we're just hitting sunset. And uh, I've been in Bali for I think twelve years or so. In Indonesia for I think fifteen years, but originally from Australia, um, from Canberra. The uh, the capital of Australia, and I am here in Bali with uh, with one cat, uh, three dogs, one daughter, and two sons. And um, I also happen to have what I think must be one of the best jobs in the world as head of community and environment at the Green School in Bali. Wow. Well, Kate, we're going to get onto that um, because there's so much I want to talk to you about all, all of that. But but I want to talk about you personally for a second. Um, You've mentioned some key key factors there: pets, um, children. Um, but what what makes you happy? Mm, such a curious question. I I find myself now at this interesting sort of phase of life because my children are getting older. So my eldest is twenty, and I have a nineteen year old and also a fifteen year old. So just one left at school here at um, at Green School Bali. So it's an interesting time and um, I find it a bit of a time of reflection. Um, you sort of hit this point where things shift kind of fundamentally, you know, the role of, of being a, a parent and caring for children in that way and, you know, they become independent and so new opportunities sort of open up, which does does prompt you to think about some of these things. So I think essentially, you know, what makes me happy or what gives me joy, I guess, are probably people first and foremost and, and seeing yeah. people grow. And, um, you know, whether that's babies, children, um, but even adults, you know, as they, as they grow, as we get older, as we continue to discover that actually we can learn new things. Um, yeah. So beyond the physical growth, the insights and the wisdom, and that's something I've been kind of focusing on. Um, and I think at, at my stage at this sort of, yeah, not a crossroads, but an interesting point of uh, taking a minute to think about what next. Um, yeah. It's really interesting, but I think it's the people. Uh, I'm a people per person. But but growth and growth generally, the natural world, you know, it's sustainability and regeneration, of course, is something important and dear to my heart um, as well. And, and Kate, just to touch on what you said about moving from Canberra to um, mm. to Bali, was when you were when you were making that move. We'll get personal questions here, but was was happiness part of your consideration and why you moved or was it a career opportunity or did, did was did that come into play when you were thinking about moving I think so I mean you know our life was very very hectic um in sort of professional careers and three tiny children um you know it was, it was crazy life but there was a lot to love about it. it was very exciting in a lot of ways it was never a dull moment but it just felt a little over full um and I actually don't mind being in that place of sort of just being on the, on the edge of what is reasonably manageable <laughs> in yeah. any day or week. You know, I find that to be quite a growth zone. Um, but it can get a little bit too much. And so 
without ne necessarily knowing what we wanted to change, I think sometimes you just have a sense that you just need to take a step away from where you are. I yeah. think I think Pooh Bear has a wonderful, <laughs> we like a wonderful saying or something to that effect. But uh, I don't know where I'm going, but I I know where I'm leaving from. And so just getting some forward movement and um, and trying something new. But I people, I mean, we went to Jakarta from, from Canberra as a first destination and people did think we were a little crazy. I mean, we went from arguably the most organised, uh, pristine, greenest, um, most sensible city in the world, arguably, to probably one that is at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> just complete chaos. I think it's in the top five most difficult cities to live in and it was indeed yeah. that so we had a step in between canberra and arriving here in bali which was which was jakarta <laughs> i love it um okay um and by the way we love Pooh bear quotes so if there's any more in this podcast we encourage them as well um, well I'm, I'm i'm feeling horribly um conscious that i may have misquoted Pooh bear so um you might <laughs> want to fact check that one for me matt <laughs> I'll fact check it. Whilst you answer the next question, I'll get on Google and I'll have, I'll have a little look. Um, but you talked about the green school. What I mean, for those listening, what is a green school? Yeah, what is a green school? I don't know. I mean, how do you how do you how do you bottle up something that is really uncontainable? I mean, I, I was you know, I sort of think people often ask that question because it's not easy just to drop in and, and check out Green School, um, particularly in these days. But even in ordinary times, you know, we're here in, in Bali. It's not sort of on the way through to somewhere, um, not like a school you can just pop in and take a look around. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking more, you know, the sort of words that come to mind when I think about the Green School and I think about innovation and youthfulness and energy and freshness and and bravery and boldness and fun um and you know it's it's they're not words you necessarily that necessarily come to mind when you're thinking about a school you know clever creative progressive you know um not necessarily things you think about when you think of a school um but at the end of the day we are a school we're in the business of education and educating for sustainability and we are a, a a pre-K to grade 12 accredited international school in Bali. Um, and Kate, I just want to just touch mm -hmm. on a, a point there about, about what you were saying about it's not a place, you, it's not somewhere you'll pass through, so you need to intentionally go there to see it and so on. I was, we're doing an, uh, an angel investment round at the Happiness Index at the moment, and I spoke to a HR director yesterday who's thinking of investing, and he, he'd just moved from the UK to Belgium. And he said that his first mistake was he sent um, his child to um, an international school. Um, and then they, he went to a local school two years later and the children are more happy. And the reason I want to bring this up is actually specifically to do with your role, Kate. And I said, why, what was the difference? And he said, well, there just wasn't a community, um, which I find fascinating because that's in your job title. So you obviously see that in your school you obviously see it's intentional community is something that that you're focused on like is that like by accident or is that always been a role there or wh why do you have that role and why are you conscious of the, the word community yeah it's a it's a great question and i mean there's so much that could be unpacked around that but i think um, in essence you know it was always part of the founding philosophy of the school you know it was founded by 
by John and Cynthia Hardy. And I think they understood right from the very beginning that, um, you know, they wanted to create something that was wallless and, and not just in the sense of buildings that were wallless and therefore sort of flowed in and out of nature, but but that we could think about learning in a wallless sense and we could think about the different stakeholders in a school community and, and having wallessness around them. Um, and I think it was a really brave and bold vision that they came up with because I think these days, you know, schools naturally, I think, um, want to have some walls around things, you know, and, and as parents we want to drop our children off knowing, you know, everything's taken care of in terms of their education. So the idea that you, you don't have that wall um, metaphorically or even physically, you know, and that you can actually have parents engage, you can build community and that everybody in there can be a learner. So, so when we think about our, our mission, you know, we're a community of learners making our world sustainable, which is frighteningly bold uh, mission. Um, but I think what's beautiful in there is that we all know we're lifelong learners and that's, that's the parents, it's the teachers, and of course it's the students in there. And, you know, that comes through in many, many different ways through many programs and mentorship and parent learning experiences and so on. But the school has very, very intentionally created a physical design to the campus, but also programs and a set of values that it's worked hard to to continue to nourish, you know, and nurture over the years. Um, that means everybody feels part of it. And I think now more than ever, we feel like we want to be part of something that has a point. And whatever our day job might be, um, you know, we want something that has some purpose and we want to be connected as humans yeah. and all the better if when we get together, we are having fun, we're finding joy, but we're doing something that's helpful in the world. I, I find this, it, that point, Kate, fascinating about like, like wallless, not just as physical walls, also as like the way that you're thinking about education, because for any parents that are listening, like I remember, so my, for those that don't know, my son went to forest school. And the first time, if you've only been to a traditional school, when you get there, first you're looking for like the big buildings which don't exist. And then you start asking about like the agenda for the day. And I just remember the, the teacher saying to me, oh, we, we, we see, we check the energy of the children in the morning and then we go, we go with where that takes us. But when you've had a traditional route, that's like, it was just shocking at first. And then I learned to love it. But there's so many par parallels with the work world where companies put these massive structures in place um that often hold back their people um, and i'm mixing i'm mixing the questions around a bit because i want to come back to, mm. to the students actually but one of the questions i had for you kate because as soon as you talked about that removing of the walls and learning like learning is a big part of work um is there anything that you think um we can learn from the setup there in the world of work yeah i mean you know if i if i knew how to sort of properly analyze um, and assess and articulate what goes on here. I could write an amazing best-selling book, um, but unfortunately my brain isn't that big, but I can tell you what I, what I well, sort of I, see. I'm, I'm waiting for that book and I will be buying it, Kate. I'll be the first one in the queue. <laughs> oh, that's one sold. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, you know, there's a really interesting kind of startup vibe um, in terms of the working experience at Green School Bali, so even 14 years in. And I think it partly comes about from um, the fact that the way the school designs the learning experience, the way it designs curriculum is that, 
it embraces this idea that we have a living curriculum. So that means there are foundational pieces, a kind of spine to it, which is really important and needs to be really rock solid. Um, So there's academic pieces and plenty of intellectual challenge in there. But from there, you know, we can think about how we deliver that learning, but also leave space open to see where the children are interested, to see where there are problems, you know, in our, in, on our campus or across Bali or even further beyond that we can get hands on in developing solutions. And so we always want this mix of, of things that are planned and laid out and then plenty of flex and bend in the system and space to be able to take the opportunities and be entrepreneurial and be creative and be solution makers. And that also you see it in the workforce, not just in the learning program and how the children are educated, but how we operate as as members of the team, as employees in the school as well. So it's kind of a startup sort of mindset and, and it. it's been intentionally kept, you know. So, so with that comes... A lot of questions, of course, as an organisation grows and develops, you want to naturally start laying down processes and things and systems because that feels better for everybody because mm. everyone can say, well, that's how that works and that how, you know, and you want to start putting rules in. And it's just a natural kind of progression, I think, for organisations. Yeah. You get bigger and everybody wants to feel more comfortable about how things are done. Um, and I think if you can find ways to hold that entrepreneurial spirit that you started with, Um, you have to put some processes in place, but I think going through um, some questioning of that, hard questioning before you assume it's better if we just Mm. put this system in or we just put this protocol in um, when you realise so much of the magic happens through relationships and through people bumping into each other and through people having a can-do kind of mindset. So you can be careful not to kill that off and more not because you want to, but it tends to be more kind of death by a thousand cuts, a little yeah. thing here, a little process here, a little rule here, and before you know yeah. it, you've created some cookie-cutter thing that people are clocking in and out of. I, I agree, Kate. That, that happens in next to my second business, and if, if I reflect on my biggest mistake in my first business is when we got when we got bigger, people used to say things like, it's time to grow up now as a business. Yeah, yeah. And that's when we started making our mistakes and, and uh, exactly that, little bits, because... I'm just going to chuck some 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 data, some neuroscience at you to for us to discuss actually, which is oh, yeah. like we we, met, we mentioned off air that um, relationships is is one of the number one drivers of happiness, but also in the top three that I want to bring out. Um, and I, I'm asking you um, in your role, but also as a parent actually, and and how we can balance these two because two of the other drivers from a neuroscientific perspective of um, of happiness is safety and freedom now this is the challenge that all teachers all parents all uncles aunties have isn't it with children which is you want to you want to give people freedom like but you also need to keep them safe so green school like how do you keep that balance right like it must be it must be something you talk about internally yeah it is i mean if we talk about the children i mean our I do hope, Matt, you come and visit us one day. The gates, the bamboo gates are wide open for you, my friend. But I think when we think about the children, you know, we have a very intentionally rugged environment on the campus. We have a huge campus and it's beautiful, um, but it's quite jungly and it's quite wild in places. And 
what you don't see actually if you walk around the school or you go into a classroom are a set of rules written up on the wall um, or sort of laid down but what we start with are a set of values and part of that is helping our children um, understand uh, what it means to preserve this environment and keep it safe and keep ourselves safe while we're in it and so when we talk about physical boundaries about places maybe we don't go without a teacher or whatever we find that the children fold into that really really nicely mm -hmm. that's not to say there aren't issues and challenges sometimes and there are and there are steps then that we can take um, to address that but we don't start from there um, as a general rule so you know, green school is is a sort of school where you you. I, I know when we left Canberra, you know, my my children's school they couldn't do you know they couldn't run uh, across the 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 court you know the quadrangle um, they couldn't do handstands on the field you know a lot of those sort of things that I think as parents we we lament but then we also want to keep our kids safe of course yeah. we do so we want to find a place that gets the balance right on that and you know constantly needs to be reassessed but I think just like the children for the adults you know we want we want our adults our employees to feel safe too and yeah. I think just like the children a lot of that starts with understanding ourselves yeah. um you know what is it about ourselves what are we looking for how do I tick why do I react the way I do you know what are my biases that I might not be conscious of you know um is my mind open to new ideas? I think a lot of what we do here in the learning program with the children, we all learn from. And frankly, in my case, I've learned a lot from my children that have been at mm -hmm. Green School. You know, I had to get to 40 before I started doing some of the work on myself that they have been given the tools to do mm -hmm. around self-reflection, self-awareness and self-understanding. And so from that place of knowing yourself, you then can create better relationships with human beings that you're working with or you're learning with or you're learning from, um, better connections to broader community and, of course, then better connections to the planet. Mm, I, I think there's a real point I just want to capture there that you said, Kate, to repeat your words back to you around how you, because this is relevant to companies as well, about how you've communicated the values because that 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 is an important piece that companies need to do to bring the freedom and the safety mm. together. So I just wanted to capture that point. And also, I just want to get into a little bit of something else you said there, because some of, I've shared this to some of our listeners before, but my daughter really suffered from anxiety after some of the lockdowns in the UK. Um, mm. And one of my friends who's been on this podcast, um, Isabel, um, she, she offered to just coach my daughter. And the, the fascinating thing, and it, and it massively helped her, but the, the thing that I found the most fascinating um, is that then my daughter took what she learned and started teaching other children. So do you, when you talk about the community, and I found it fascinating, you said that you're learning from the children. When you work on the community piece, do you see that like shared learning? Because obviously in a you, traditional mindset, it's like the business, it's like the CEO and the company and the school, traditional school, it's the teacher teaches. Um, and the children learn but do you see do you see children getting involved in in teaching each other yes yes i mean that's when learning is at the best and i mean i think there's a lot of research out there around how much children actually learn from each other in a classroom setting um in addition to what they're actually being taught or instructed on um and i think you know 
I think there's an awful lot of truth in that. I mean, don't even start me, Matt, on what my children have taught me. I mean, this is the result of a... <laughs> okay, Kate. I'm going to ask you, Kate, what are the top two things your children have taught you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's... As I say, I think a school, as Green School does, it focuses on, you know, knowledge and, you know, the acquisition of knowledge and content, which was what I experienced at school, content-based learning, you know. Um, you know, we just understand everything's at our fingertips. So how do we navigate all of that information that is out there? Um, when I was at school, I had my teacher, my parents, you know, the school library, the local library and, and you know, um, Life on Earth with David Attenborough on the TV. And, you know, that's, <laughs> I mean, that. oh, and we had some encyclopedias, encyclopedias yeah. in our house. That was a big thing. You I, know? Found, I, mean, I, found, I, found, I found one the other day. It's pretty <laughs> incredible that all life information came out of that. I mean, it's just so, it's just so stark, isn't it, Matt, how much the world has changed and the mm. idea that so much information is at our fingertips and the kids know it better than we do. Yeah. You know, they understand that. They've got their head around that much better than the grown-ups. So what are we teaching them? What are we teaching mm. kids, you know? And so we want them to understand the importance of knowledge and we want them to understand the the opportunity to develop wisdom. So there's still a piece around navigating content-based learning, but there's so much around skills, skills for now, skills for the future. And this is where I think things like well-being, um, finding purpose in what you do, finding happiness, you know, has got to come from some of these more 21st century skills, skills that are relevant to today and to the future and, and values as well as the kind of third piece. So I think, you know, you ask the question about what the world of work, you know, can sort of learn from Green School. And I think they should take comfort in the fact that, you know, it, it's possible to educate generations that have the skills the world needs, starting with skills for managing themselves as humans so in so a workplace, a community, and of course, on the, pro on the planet and, um, you know, problem solving skills and entrepreneurial skills and people that can collaborate and think in systems are all part of it, but also people who know themselves well enough to be able to, to navigate challenges and, in fact, people who can see the opportunities in challenges and, and can activate themselves around that. And that's, that's what we're passionate about at, at Green School. So I think that bodes well for the world. And I know many, many other schools are, are making moves as well of course green, i love green school valley but uh, it's comforting to see some progression in education yeah um do kids ever rebel against because obviously you got this amazing thing around sustainability kate and as we know mm. kids rebel about lots of things and it's part of growing up do, mm. do you ever get kids that rebel and say no there's sustainability and they go the other way and they and they don't like sustainability and that's a bit of a random question yeah. but it just popped into my head Actually, it's an excellent question. And yeah, you know, that can happen. And that's not a bad thing either. I mean, we're not in the business of cancelling, um, you know, views and opinions. And it can be a little counterproductive sometimes, it feels like, even as a parent, because, you know, we want kids to, to do their research, to think deeply about things, mm -hmm. to get the facts, get the figures, um, back them up, you know, um, check them, um, and then form form some views and form some values and a set of beliefs and be open to continuing to evolve those, but be ready to speak about them as well. And so, you know, it can be challenging. I certainly have been confronted by my <laughs> teenagers 
multiple times about everything from you know double standards in terms of what I let my teenage boy do compared to what I let my teenage girl do which might be a pretty normal household conversation but it's yeah. backed up by research and unchecked biases and all sorts of things that um you know they they really come at you with a full arsenal of an argument <laughs> yeah quite a lot and I realize I need to you know I need I need to get better at my job as a mum sometimes too I've got to be ready I can't just you know throw things around I need to be I don't mean literally uh throw opinions <laughs> around you know I, I've yeah. got to have my I've got to have my act together the green, oh, no. I mean green school kids are outstanding communicators you know just outstanding yeah and I love that Kate because when we talk about it in a business context and and employees challenging CEOs the I'm always saying to CEOs, if, you, if your employees can't challenge your purpose, even if you believe it's a good purpose, then mm. you you are at you are at risk of becoming a cult. Um, yeah. and, and it's really important that people can challenge um, and not just mindlessly follow stuff. So it's great that that you foster that. Um, well, I've only done two of the prescriptive questions, so I actually get onto the third question, which is, um, does that does the happiness of students matter, and and why? Quite a big quite a big couple of questions there for you, Kate. Yeah, I mean, Matt, I don't think there would be, um, you know, any any school in the world that would say happiness is not important um, to the students. Um, but I think, yeah, we want joyful experiences uh, to be part of every every learner's day and and week um, and year, of course. But we also recognise and honour that all feelings are important and all start states of mind are important. Um, and so, again, going back to this idea of discovering ourselves, you know, um, even at a very young age and then continuing to be tapped into that and understanding ourselves. So, you know, I think that's really such an essential piece because I think once, once we understand ourselves, yeah we can start to understand others and we can start to understand the world and we can navigate more successfully through it. And I think through that, you know, we know how to seek out, you know, our tribe, something useful to do with ourselves, you know, the things that bring those moments of joy and hopefully more happiness on, on the whole. Yeah, I think there was, I'm just sharing for our listeners, there was a, on the joyful experience point, Kate, there was a, a NASA study conducted in Antarctica where they were trying to work mm. out what a community needs to survive on a on on a if they were to move to Mars, and one of mm. the big uh, variables that that they it, it got the, the the headline got written up that uh, Mars mission needs uh, needs comedians and jokers, but what if you actually look into the outside of the Daily Mail headline, what it's really talking about is that a community can't. Um, can't fry without fun and jokes and joy. So yeah. um, it's, it's actually a pretty serious academic piece that yeah. uh, that needed to be considered for how could a community survive off off our planet. So it, it's it's not surprising to hear it in there for for you to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sitting here. It's it's six p.m. Well, six thirty now. It's gotten dark. It's pouring with rain here, but I'm still on the Green School campus and. You know, we just wrapped up our, it's called Green School Spirit Friday. We wrapped up the week with an assembly and then, you know, and that's not an unusual thing to do, but then we had a festival um, yeah. and that's an ordinary thing because we do value joy 
Um, we yeah. value happiness. We want to create the space, the environment and the opportunity for people to connect. So we've just had a market, we've had food, we've had fun, we've had yeah, the most amazing live music from our high schoolers. We dance together. Um, and that we see as a very valid part of what a school can, can offer. It's not some PTA event that gets added on, you know, at the end of the year or something as a one-off. It's actually part of the rhythm of that. the year at Green School. Yeah. I'm going to capture that point. I'm going to capture that point, Kate, for our listeners. And I'm going to, I'm just going to ask a question to anyone to listening to quietly think about, um, which is what are your festivals in your business? Because AGM, like we, we don't call it the AGM because it sounds so boring, Like we call it the annual happiness meeting. But I'm just leaving that with the listeners to maybe consider what are your festivals when you're bringing, when you bring, bringing your people together. Um, it's beautiful, last, Matt. And can I add something else? Yes, there? please. Because I, I mean, I, the word festival just conjures up so many beautiful things. But at Green School, um, we have a, a series of things that we, we actually call artefacts, mm. artefacts, living artefacts. And these are rituals or traditions, um, and they, they really are essentially celebrations, but they are kind of enshrined here. They're carved into the bamboo. They're just part of what we do because we know that weaving those into the rhythm of the year for our students and our parents and our teachers brings these epic moments of connection and yeah. and joy and they're not really negotiable we yeah. we find a way even through COVID you know we we found ways to make those things happen no I love I love that Kate and there's a lot for our listeners to, to take from that um I don't know if um, if I knew that you did these or whether the, I made this up, but what what have you learned from your student surveys? Have you done student surveys? I saw it in my own question, but I thought, how did I even know that you've done student surveys? I must have read it on your website. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm really passionate about how we can, how we can not change, but how we can talk more broadly about what success looks like for a child that has graduated from a school. So, you know, typically that's at grade 12, you know, and of course in the past. Hey, um, what's just for our listeners, what's no. how old is someone at grade 12, just roughly? So they would be 18. 18, okay. So we're thinking yes. 18, I've got 18 year olds in my head. So that would be their final year for us. Grade 12 is the final year of, of secondary education. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the usual metrics, of course, are very boring. You know, they're a number, usually a score, a set of grades. Um, maybe you get a nice certificate um, and a farewell. And I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, I mean, there's lots of beautiful celebrations that can go on about that. And there are some great things happening in education, but I really feel like that, you know, needle needs to be moved because that cannot be the measure of the whole growth of a child by the time they get to 18 you know this is me world how yeah. do i show this to the world yeah. whether i'm going to university or to internal volunteer or start a business or whatever it is how do i show the world who i am at this point in my life um, yeah. because the stakes feel so high with that and there is so much more children can show they have done um particularly if they've been in an educational environment where they've been supported to activate their own projects and solutions. Um, you know, we, we, we want to change the conversation about that. Um, the academic piece is still important and we want to be able to demonstrate that, and we do, um, the intellectual challenge and the intellectual success of the child, but also the other things they've done. So 
when we get in touch with our graduate alumni, we yeah. love asking questions beyond what are you doing and where are you, which are pretty standard things, and we do collect that information. Most of our students go on to tertiary education and then into careers, but we also have children that start businesses, that have sailed around the world, that have toured with a rock band, all kinds of things. So, What's your, just, you Kate, know, just so we can imagine, yeah. what's your, what's your old, roughly, what's your oldest alumni now? Like when was the first kids in and like, so if we were to call up the oldest yeah. alumni, who, how old would they be? I think they'd be about 26 okay yeah so still 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 young still yeah. young still young in the world of today but what's really interesting and lovely matt is that when we outreach to our alumni we also ask them how they're doing as a human mm. in the world so Love we it. ask questions like the extent to which they feel they're doing something that gives them satisfaction yeah. the extent to which they feel like they're doing something purposeful with their life um yeah how resilient they feel they are to rate themselves yeah. on that, you know, the extent to which they feel like they're living um, uh, sustainably. You know, yeah. we love asking those questions too. Um, and we have amazing results. And, you know, I always say green school is not for every child and every learner. And that's why we love getting to know families that, you know, that might like to be part of this community and have their children in green school. Um, but for the children that are here, you know, have come through our school and have graduated i mean i think any organization that asked that those questions of its employees would be incredibly happy to see those results because we're talking you know 85 90 95 even 100 percent in terms of how children are rating themselves on those scales and i think that's so reassuring for us um, as we continue with our work to refine and progress our educational offerings here and our our environment that we put our children into here, wow. that we're on the right track here. And yeah. I, I know myself, Matt, as a mum, when my eldest stood up at graduation and he went off to a gap year before he went to university and he wasn't sure what he wanted to study, he had an amazing gap year planned out. Um, but um, I thought I'm almost not at all worried about you, young man, That's because what I saw standing there was a, a nicely formed human that was yeah. kind and open-minded and, and curious and resilient and resourceful. And I felt like go, go grow some more. Mm. Whatever you do, just go grow some more and, and, you know, and just sort of make those seek that growth and continue to and, and that's that and he's not special he's a very ordinary teenager wow. <laughs> like all of them. i'm forever grateful for his educators for the teachers that helped him get to that point wow well my my data head switching on now which um i'm happy to be to do to do this as a as a thank you actually and you don't have to answer now whether you'd want to do it but i'd love to send our our assessment to your alumni um and and do a little mini write-up um, on all those things like psychological safety and freedom to take opportunities because I think that would be a fascinating read um, to look at your students because yeah what, what how they're feeling in the in the rest of the world from a neuroscientific perspective I think would be quite a fascinating thing I'll, I'll reread the questions to make sure they would be relevant to land to alumni but I think that could be fascinating Kate I won't I won't get you to answer whether you want to do that yet <laughs> okay no problem sounds interesting though for sure um so um Oh, in terms of the um, 
in terms of the alumni, Kate, I'm just thinking about this because I like to mm. think of the happiness index as almost like the green school of businesses in terms mm. of that. But one of the downsides that I have observed of, of the happiness index alumni is that mm. the way that we run our, our culture is very similar to yours um, in, in a way. Um, but it's also very different to the rest of the world. So sometimes I, I get messages from ex-staff members and they call it the mm. real world. Um, and they've sometimes struggled when they've gone to other companies and, and businesses. Yeah. Do you do you ever worry or, or or think about how students will will operate, survive in in what someone would call the real world? Because it is a very different situation there, and they're going to meet students that have that have different educational backgrounds. Do do you worry about that? Is that something you think about and talk about? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're very conscious that we don't want to um, create a kind of bubble experience here. Um, but we also know, helpfully, um, that, you know, this is not Nirvana here at Green School Bali, you know, and that we also wholeheartedly believe that removing every obstacle and reasonable challenge from a child's experience is not helpful. It's simply mm -hmm. not helpful. And I think, again, you know, that's, their conversations with parents as well as with students about that because I think generally, you know, as, as parents, we, we naturally do want to remove those obstacles um, out of our children's way. You know, something quite primal in there that kicks in often. Um, but we know that, you know, there's to be in the growth zone, you know, you have to have some of those experiences. So that is about the child growing, but also, of course, it helps set them up for after green school as well when they move out yeah. into as you say, the real world, but um, we like to think we're offering a real world here too in terms of having a rich kind of tapestry of experiences, challenges and opportunities uh, for the children. Oh, I, love, I love that, Kate. And you've mentioned it a couple of times, the growth zone. I think I know what you mean by that, but can you um, explain what you mean by growth zone and why, and why it's important to you, Kate? Yeah, and, you know, the thing is it's, I, I feel like it's um it's different for different people. It's a it's an individual thing. I think I mentioned it in the introduction um, when I was trying to say something clever about myself. Um, <laughs> but just um knowing that that's that's a you know the place I like to be is that sort of I've just got everything kind of handled. I like to be on the edge of you know what is reasonably yeah. manageable that I find very much an exciting zone to be in and a growth zone. My thinking's good, my thinking's sharp, you know, I'm feeling energised. That's where I like to be a lot of the time. But, of course, that's not the same for everyone. So, yeah. you know, part of um, what we try and do with the children here but also with employees is recognising and understanding everyone as an individual human, which doesn't mean yeah. that everybody gets to do whatever they want whenever yeah. they want. And it's constant sort of compromise and trade-off, but you know, you come from a place of, of respect and mutual respect. And I I genuinely want to understand you as a human. And we are going to find the best ways to work together when we do that. When I understand myself well and yeah. I understand you as well as I can, then you know, we can make great things happen. I love I love it. And for, for our listeners that who use our model, Kate, that that there's a, so much, so many parallels of what we talk about are thriving is what we talk about thriving and, and our vision, our description of what you described is what we call freedom to be human. So 
it brings me on to my last question. We're well over time here, but I just there's so much to ask you about. We could go on for four hours, but it's the last question. And I promise that you need to get home as well because it's late there. But um, this is a massive question, I suppose. Nothing to do with work, really. Um, it's to do with humanity and freedom to be human. Um, what can human beings learn um, from the, the environment um, that you've created there? Do you mean the environment, the physical environment of the school, or you mean the whole sort of concept? The whole con the whole concept, but if you've got anything on it either, we're happy to hear, Kate. Yeah, well, that is a nice big question. <laughs> I, I, I never told you there's going to be easy questions, Kate. No, no, no. Um, yeah, well, what can the world learn? You know, I think things don't have to be the same as they have been. I think we, as you say, that where does that freedom come from? Like you don't just go randomly taking risks for no reason, right? But at some point, some people need to push the boundary. They need to try something new. Um, and I think when we think about what an organisation, doesn't matter whether it's a school, in our case it's a, it's a school, but... You know, we can boldly step in to creating an environment that can uplift the spirits. You know, why can it not be joyful? Yeah. Why can a school not have, you know, why can a school not have a festival every Friday? Like, you know, yeah. it's like that's not what schools are about. You know, we do that yeah. once, once a semester or something. Well, why can't we have one every week, you know? Um, and yeah. there's lots of reasons why you might think that's not possible, but then when you actually see the value of it, but until you do it, you don't you don't see it, right? So somebody has yeah. to take a step forward and try some things that are different. I mean, we know we've got huge issues across the world in terms of just people's state of mind often, you know, where we're at, how we think about the future, um, the environmental issues, the social issues, the political issues, the economical, I mean, it just goes on and on and you know we've got to create these little moments of joy and and connection and we see it with the kids you know they think they can do amazing things yeah but i'm that's a bit of a clumsy kind of answer but i think I, at the end of the day you know what we see is that it's possible to create an organization in our in our case of school that has a mission to uplift the spirits, you know, yeah. and, and to unite people and a physical environment that does not need to look or continue to look the same as it was, you know, and recognising that for us to be our collective best, we need to know who we are as individuals. I, I don't think it was clumsy at all, Kate, and I just want to uh, capture that it was actually in the first sentence that I think is the big, big moment for me, which is things don't have to be the same. Is that, that that's the thing that I will remember um, from from this podcast. It's that just leaving people with that, and especially our audience, Kate, is CEOs and HR directors, and just to mm. leave people with that thought: things don't have yeah. to be the same. Like that is a that is a really good point um, for, to leave our listeners to think about, and for me to do the last thing, which is just to thank you, Kate, because. Um, I've chucked all these questions at you, chucked a load more in there and um, you've just shared so much wisdom um, 
And you're the first parent I've I've ever met who doesn't think that who hasn't said that their child is special. And I know secretly, obviously, you do think your child is special, but oh, also to hear that is um, is great as well. And that 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 shows us what an amazing um, personality you are. But Kate, I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you for taking the time out of your evening to share with our listeners. My absolute pleasure, Matt. I hope I managed to string something coherent together, having just, you know, finished a dance party at the end of the week and, and sitting here with the rain coming down. Um, I hope I've offered some insights, but um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love what you're doing, Matt, and talking about happiness, how can you not like that? And frankly, I love a chat. So yeah. <laughs> it's been delightful. Thanks, Kate. Okay, thanks so much.